Welcome to Women and Manufacturing, where accomplished women interview accomplished women. Welcome to the Riveting Exchange Podcast. I am your co-host, Andrea Olson, and I am here today with Desiree Grace. How are you doing, Desiree? I am doing well. How about you, Andrea? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know, we have an interesting topic today. It's a little bit related to our last topic we discussed about motivating people, but today it's about self-motivation. And, you know, really the big question is, how do you keep motivated? Sometimes you have so many balls in the air, you have so many things pulling you different directions, and some of those big projects always tend to fall by the wayside and they just never get done. And so, you know, how do you really get over the hump in getting some of these big things done and keeping yourself moving forward? You know, a, a good place to start might be, you know, Desiree, tell me about, you know, some of your experiences in keeping motivated yourself and how do you move things forward in your own life and in your work? Well, you know, it is interesting because we talked last week about motivating others and we realized that keeping yourself motivated is a whole different ball game. And right. I think for me, there's probably three key points to, to keep myself motivated, both long-term and short-term, which the first thing is to remember, what do I want to accomplish long-term? You know, what are my long-term goals? And corresponding to that, what are my values? Um, I remember when I was managing a team, I said, you know, if in doubt, the first criteria in your decision-making should be what's best for the customer, then what's best for the company. Because if you Mm -hmm. do what's best for the customer within, of course, ethics and financial constraints, then chances are that decision will be good for the company long-term. Sometimes right. you, you take a short-term hit for a long-term gain. And I find that um, if I default to what are my you know, core values that I'm not willing to compromise on and um, what are my long-term goals, those two things really keep me grounded and keep me on task. Um, you know, for example... I, I mean, I'll freely admit that I'm ambitious, but I never wanted to be the type of person that was going to throw someone else under the bus or climb the corporate mm. ladder on the backs of other people and, you know, leave bodies strewn in my mess. Sure. That's sure. just not the kind of person I want to be. So, I mean, that's sort of an extreme example, but sometimes when you're faced with a decision or when you're faced with, oh, do I have to do this or how do I do this? If you think, well, you know, long-term, I want to own my own business, or long-term, I want the corner office, or whatever your particular goals may be, keep those in mind as well as keep your values in mind. You know, what's important to you? What are deal breakers for you? The other thing I've learned, and I would say this is a particularly female-centric learning The other two that I talked about could easily apply to men as as well as women. But I do think in general, women are much more prey to negative self-talk. You know, some of that's learned behavior, some of that's social pressures, um, whether it's appearance-related or performance-related or other variables, we do tend to be really hard on ourselves. And while I don't discount a postmortem to learn from your mistakes. And, and I think that that debrief or that postmortem 
is really a, a mandatory thing if you're going to learn from mistakes and turn mistakes into learning opportunities that are going to make you better, stronger, faster, whatever. You need to watch yourself and catch yourself when you're really lambasting yourself about something or if you're being mm -hmm. negative. It's, it's the little engine that could. Don't ever fall into the trap of saying, I can't fall into the practice of, I think I can. Right, right. Well, you know, I mean, the big question there that comes to my mind is, you know, do you, do you bite off more than you can chew? And sometimes I think that is a very simple thing that both men and women do, and that's why a lot of things don't get accomplished. Do you feel like you have a really solid balance there? You know, I think the important thing is if you do have a big task is to try to break it down into um, milestones. So if you've got a big project maybe that you know is going to take a year, what needs to happen first quarter? What needs to happen second quarter? What needs to happen third quarter? Um, so maybe you know, your goal Q1 is information gathering and research, or maybe it's um, Q2, I'm going to bounce this, I, this topic and this idea of some subject matter experts or some people out there whose opinion I value that I think could provide additional insight that could help me get in the direction I need to go. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you're an entrepreneur, so you tend to probably come from the topic of self-motivation slightly differently than I do. What do you do, Andrea, to stay self-motivated? You know, that's, that's an interesting question. And I would say that, you know, in my prior life where I was leading an executive team versus now where I'm, I'm heading up uh, my own firm, uh, the motivation itself hasn't really changed. You know, the, the drivers of the motivation, you know, you, you want to make, uh, you know, first quarter numbers. You want to do things like that that are more directly affecting yourself and the business versus as an employee. You know, okay, those things have shifted in importance. But the motivation itself to me is it really comes from a higher level. And, and I look back at my father who uh, passed away in 2012. He was a wonderful man, and he was very industrious, and he did a lot of things. And he was very capable of learning things quickly and implementing them quickly, you know, whether it's around the house or different projects and things like that. And there were two fundamental obstacles that he I saw him face consistently one was he always thought that he always had time that time was on his side he would look at a project and say I can do that anytime so I don't have to do it now I can do it this weekend I can do it next year you know it won't take me that long so there's two parts of that one is he didn't realize that time will pass faster than you think and two, about yeah. how much time it will take to actually implement the project, right? In your mind, you might go, no, this is an hour or this is half a day, when really if you kind of break it out to your point, the major milestones, the things you need to do, every component of that project might be time sensitive against something else. You might say, okay, I'm going to do some work uh, out in the yard and I need to get some gravel. Well, I can just go pick that gravel up. 
But maybe when you call, they say, oh, that gravel's on back order, and now that's going to be two weeks from today. So then that impacts the entire timeline. So unless you, to your point, do some of that research and really understand the major steps and those things that impact the success and completion of that project, your momentum slows down, and then your motivation slows down. And the second part is really that not only did he lose sense of time, but he bit off more than he could chew. So when you take on many things and you say, I have the capability to accomplish this, there's a couple questions that come to my mind as I go, A, should I be doing this, right? Is it something worth my time or should I outsource it? You know, whether it's trimming my bushes or whether it's uh, doing some administrative work or, you know, accounting support. Is it something that I need to do or is my time more efficiently spent having someone else do it and I can use my time for a more valuable activity that maybe is generating revenue or moving the ball forward? So it's kind of looking at it in two parts is time is not infinite, and you never know what life changes you have, whether it's a spouse getting a new job and you have to move uh, or a change in an organization. You might not have the time to get something done if you keep kicking that can down the road. But then also understand how many steps it's going to take to do it and what are those levers that, that either move a project forward faster or slow it down that are outside of your control. You know, that's a good point because if something's outside of your control, it's going to take time to get help, remove the hurdles, find a workaround, you know, get an advocate to change something, whatever. Right. Um, you know, I like your analogy about a yard project. I used to flip old houses, and the thing that oh, I learned, yeah. whatever the budget and the amount of time you thought something was going to take, I always added a third. So if I thought it was a $600 project, add another 300 bucks just in case. Because mm -hmm. with old houses, you dig into stuff, and you, you might find a whole mess in there that you didn't right. anticipate. And, you know, it not only does it cost more money, it costs more time. So, you know, the two-week project, budget three. And I think that the analogy you're making, and, you know, we learn from watching others, certainly. Sure. What do you, you know, do you do something like that where you built in kind of a cushion? Oh, definitely, definitely. So, you know, the yard project example, you know, I, I, you do a third, I do 20%. Whatever it is, add 20%. Add 20% time and budget. So I think it's going to be three weeks or $300. I'm going to add 20% to that timeline, and I'm going to add 20% to that dollar amount. Because if I go under, wonderful, right? If I meet my original budget, wonderful. But I've given myself a cushion. And the second part is really I, I think that, that we haven't touched on yet is something as simple as starting. I've seen too many people, direct employees, uh, it peers, family, that they talk about a lofty project. They talk about a lofty goal, something they want to get done. And they might even think about the steps that they need to take to get that done. But there is a fear of starting. 
there's a fear of making that first step and then you feel trapped going down the path that you are tied to this project and you're not going to be able to get out of it. And then other things are going to come along. So you have to think about that starting point of designing it where you have a fail-safe. If I start this, can I reuse this effort somewhere else, right? If I start a yard project and I say, well, I want to put a flower bed here. I can do some tilling. I can loosen up that dirt as my first step. But if I change my mind and say, you know what, I'm actually going to do this as a vegetable garden, I lost no time and there was no wasted effort because I still would have had to do that activity anyway. And so when you're talking about big projects, especially things at work, to your point, the best starting point is do research. Get more information. Validate your idea, right? That is a step that you can use that information either direction A or direction B. So it's really a matter of finding the right starting point and actually starting. Starting that day, five minutes and do a Google search on something. You might go down a rabbit hole for the next 30 minutes, or you might not see anything and come back to it later. But I think a lot of people actually have a fear of starting a project. You know, I would agree with that. And I think um, sometimes a good tip for starting a project and keeping yourself motivated, especially if it's something either you're not confident in, you're not experienced in, or maybe you just don't want to do it. Maybe you're not excited yeah. about it, but you still have to do <laughs> right. it. Cause we all have those. Yeah. If you can frame a structure, um, maybe it's create the spreadsheet or start to create the spreadsheet. You know, what kind of information do I want to capture? What should the columns and rows be titled? Or mm -hmm. one of the things I like to do, and this isn't going to apply to everything, but this may help some of our listeners, do a SWOT analysis. Look at, oh, yeah. you know, the situation. You know, okay, list out, even if it's current state, not, you know, desired future state, but even for current state, say, okay, what are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? What are our opportunities? And what are our threats? Because if you do mm -hmm. that, sometimes putting it on paper in some sort of structure or format all of a sudden you'll see the gaps or you'll see, oh, well, we don't have financial history on this. Or, yeah. huh, I haven't talked to the stakeholders that are involved. Or, gee, I wonder what production thinks of this. You might find simply by trying to create some sort of structural framework around your unpleasant or I don't know where to start project, all of a sudden, that may create a roadmap for you. I, I fully agree. And I think the other piece that goes along with that is not waiting and avoiding a project for a long period of time, and then now it's become an insurmountable task. So if you think about even something as simple as uh, how you keep your files clean and neat within your computer. Right, or something as simple as um, you know customer information in, in physical files uh, at your office, or even just cleaning out your closet at home. Every day that you put off this big project or perceived big project, it seems worse. It feels worse, and you dread it more. 
And it's also something where it doesn't have to oftentimes become that big if you focus on maintaining it. So it's just like any other situation. If you go by that closet, we'll use that example. And every time you walk by it, you open the door and you say, okay, is there one thing in here that could get tossed or it could get donated or it could go somewhere else or do I need it? Right. One thing. And if you did that every day, your closet will be clean before you know it. But it doesn't have to be kind of eating an elephant in one bite. You can piecemeal it out over time, and it becomes much less burdensome. You know, and that's a good point, too. If you do find something burdensome um, or um, overwhelming, if you can say, okay, I really need to work on this, but it's, it is overwhelming or it's not something I enjoy doing, then just block out time on your calendar and make yourself do it 15 minutes a day. You know, to your point, all right, I'm going to set the timer. I'm going to work on this closet, pro- closet project for 15 minutes or mm-hmm. – um, I'm going to spend 15 minutes updating customer records every yeah. Monday morning and just block right. out the time, make yourself do it. And really, it's only 15 minutes. But, but, so, but you know, point, that's another exactly trick. Right. I mean, it gets done. Yeah, it's a simple trick. It gets done so fast that way, and you don't even realize it. And, and the other thing I would I would include with that is, I think sometimes people have challenges with creating systems. And I say systems in the sense of organizational and process systems within their lives as well as at work. So when you say, hey, okay, I've got to clean out all these customer files, what are the things that you have to do again and again that if you change the process, if you change how the files were structured, if you change how things were organized, would you be able to cut out some steps in that process? Would you be able to make it easier? Or is there a way to do it as you go, right? So every time you get a new customer file, here's the three things I have to capture. I know that. And I do that up front. And now it's a two-minute project versus a three-day endeavor that you have to set aside all this time for that you hate because it's just loathsome, right? So it's like how can you look at your own processes, whether it be – that customer file or your closet and say, how can I reorganize this where this problem doesn't occur again, that I don't ever really have to go through that. I can just simply focus on maintenance. Well, and I think, you know, best practices, systematizing things, getting in the habit of that, it does make Mm -hmm. a big difference. And, you know, this example, this trick, if you will, won't apply to every person that may may not be listening, but – I like to utilize time in the air. I fly quite a bit for work. Ah. Either use in-air Wi-Fi or work on something on my laptop without Wi-Fi. If it's a project or something that I know I need to focus on without interruption, I mean, let's face it, not everything in life lends itself to multitasking. Right. Plan on doing it when you're on a plane, you know, Pull out your laptop and say, hey, it's a two-and-a-half-hour flight. I got nothing better to do. I am going to sit here, and I'm going to 
you know, make notes on this project, do the SWOT analysis, create a proposal, um, you know, proofread this article, clean out my contacts. Yeah. Whatever your projects are, if you know you're going to have pockets of time where you're out of pocket, that could conceivably be a good thing to do. One of the things I like to do if um, when I go to a lot of conferences, there's always follow-up actions, and those things need to be communicated. I always All like right. to do that while it's fresh in my mind. Um, you know, this is not a glamorous project, but it's necessary for group cohesion and good communication. So what I like to do is I'll take my notes, and I'll draft all the emails, even if I don't have Wi-Fi. You mm -hmm. know, they can go out the next time I have Wi-Fi, and it can be, here are the action items for my notes with ABC company, or, you know, here's what we agreed needs to be done next steps, mm -hmm. whatever. If you can get yourself into those habits, and then, okay, hey, I got done early. I have 45 minutes. Now I'm going to read that paperback I brought with me. Right, right. Mm -hmm. and it's a great idea because once it's if it's fresh in your mind, it's so much quicker and easier to dump it on paper, right? If you go 48 hours and then you go, I have to write up these notes, now you're actually somewhat stressed and depressed because you have to think back and you have to interpret what you wrote, right? It's not really fresh. I mean, the fresh in the mind, anything is easy. And if you try to kind of do that follow-up, whether it's a follow-up email or a phone call or making a note or, or putting an appointment in the calendar, the sooner you do that, you can move on to things that are a lot more mentally heavy lifting. Yeah, and, you know, not procrastinating is a big part of self-motivation. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. But we, you know, we unfortunately. We procrastinate, though, you know, I, I think – you know, it's it's hard to not procrastinate. I think everybody should have a day where they do procrastinate. You should have moments where you, you do walk away from something. But I think it's procrastination is because there's this anxiety of this looming thing, right? And you build it up in your mind. And so what I try to do is make some of those things that are terrible, that I find terrible, fun. So if it's something around the house, let's say I have to clean out this closet again, right, for some reason this closet is a major problem, you know, I go, all right, I'm going to crack open a beer and I'm going to do it to some music. Why can't I make it enjoyable? It does not have to be brutal, right? I could have some a friend come over and say, hey, clean up my closet. There might be some stuff you want. Let's do this over mimosas. That'll be fine, right? It, it diminished the amount of burden with it you know if you have a peer if you have someone else if you just got to clean out those customer files again is there someone else who would benefit from that information all right is there someone else that also has that same problem and at least you could do it together and make it a little more fun well and you know i think there's there's a couple other tricks there too that we could kind of crystallize if you are stuck Let's say you've, you've created your spreadsheet or your SWOT analysis in your framework and you're still stuck. Maybe you do need to brainstorm with someone else. I mean, yeah. there's, a, there's value to knowing yourself. And if you're the type of person that thinks aloud and you get your ideas by talking, you know, maybe you call that friend and say, hey, 
let's go for a walk down by the river. I want to tell you about this project and get your perspective on it. And, you know, we'll give them some exercise and some fresh air at the same time. Maybe that's what works for you is talking about a problem. Brainstorming is a legitimate way to deal with a log jam. And oh, the, yeah. You know, the, so maybe you may reach a point where the most productive thing you can do is walk away and take a break. I mean, if you've been working on something and you're not moving forward and you can't wrap your head around it, that might be your internal cue that it's time to walk away. You know, maybe oh. go work on that yard project. Right, right. Oh, completely agreed. You have to have that self-awareness to know, you know, you're beating a dead horse, you know, and it might not be the right, you just it might not be in the mindset to get that done right now, and that's okay. You know, if there's a hard deadline for something, we understand that you know, those are the variables that sometimes we can't get around. But most everything, you have some leeway to say, okay, I'm going to start on this. I'm going to maybe walk away if I'm not getting any progress and come back to it once I get, you know, a moment of inspiration. And most people are, are ten times more productive when your mind is open and ready to tackle that problem or project versus trying to force it at specific scheduled times in the day. Well, in, I'll admit for myself, sometimes I get my best ideas when I'm walking my dog. Oh, yeah. I mean, Saturday was a perfect example. I was walking my dog. I don't listen to music or books usually. I just like to walk the outside and kind of, you know, let my brain go wherever it's going to go. It might be contemplating what clothes I'm going to pack on a vacation. But mm-hmm. in this case, I was thinking about um, a particular initiative we were working on at work. And I thought, oh, you know, the woman's boss's boss that I'm dealing with has also been involved in conversations about this. And we've got this powwow at corporate. She probably needs to at least know that we're moving this ball forward because she's been on the hot seat with it. So I'm just going to send her a quick FYI email. And I was kind of mad at myself. I hadn't thought of it sooner, to to be brutally honest. Mm -hmm. But it just kind of occurred to me while free form, while I was out walking and just kind of thinking about the week that had just finished and the things I was going to work on this particular week. So, you, you may surprise yourself that walking away, in this case literally, can lead to a breakthrough or helping you pick up on something that you may have missed earlier. I, I think it does come down to your point, Andrea, about self-awareness. So if you know that you're a morning person, maybe that's when you tackle that tough project. Or you right. know you get your best ideas when you're, you know, brainstorming with a trusted friend or colleague. Or you get ideas when you're doing your yard work or cleaning your closet. Mm-hmm. Then that's okay. If that's what works for you, be aware of it and play to the tried and true. Right. You know, there's too many people that look at some of the, the people in business that, say, oh, I'm accomplishing these thousand things, you know, I'm raising 15 children and the CEO of a company, uh, and I wrote 40 books, you know, and you self-compare and you go, oh, I'm not getting all this done, and you kind of sit down and maybe let that overwhelm you, 
and then you have this inaction. I argue that anything that you get done, it doesn't matter how small, is getting something done. So even if you have that big project, but you do three other little projects instead, those got completed. That's okay. You know, it doesn't mean you can put off that big project forever, but then it, then you kind of start learning your own style and you say, well, I get really satisfied if I do a bunch of little projects throughout the day. I feel the sense of accomplishment. Great. Then how can you take that big project and make it into little projects? Because that's your style. Or if you say, I love a big project, I take it beginning to end, and that's what I want to do, and I'm really, really effective in that, okay, then you can bundle a couple small projects together and turn them into a big project. So you really have to understand yourself and what you're most effective in, what business and challenge environment that you work the best in. Absolutely. And, you know, I I hope some of the, the things we shared and the techniques and tricks and best practices are useful to our listeners but we, we probably should say this in all honesty. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to buck up, clear your schedule, turn off your cell phone, stop answering emails, and to quote our favorite sportswear company, just do it. Amen to that. I mean, there are times where no matter what, you know, maybe your boss says, I want this performance review. And I want it done now, or I need it by Friday. Hey, maybe you put the kids to bed and you sit down and do it. Maybe you don't go out for lunch with your favorite colleague. That's the reality of the work world. Mm -hmm. Well, and sometimes it's the reality of our lives, you know, where there's things we might want to do, but we have obligations that we have to attend to. And, you know, I'd argue that that's, that's what being an adult is. You know, you have to sacrifice certain things to do things that you understand are bigger picture, and sometimes they're not the most fun, but that's life. It is. And, you know, um, probably not the most exciting or glamorous thing to end our conversation on, but the the best part is probably 80% of the time, you have some level of control over your projects and your workload and keeping yourself charged up about the various things you need to do to be successful. But there will be those times where you're just going to have to bite the bullet and get stuff done because it's necessary. And if it's 80%, if it's 20% of the time that you have to do that, you're probably in a pretty good place. Oh yeah. Yeah, you're actually sitting quite pretty. So, Andrea, any other final thoughts for our listeners on self-motivation? Oh, gosh. You know, if I had to leave everyone with just one thought, I would say, you know, keep in mind that, you know, we always have a natural pain avoidance tendency and that some of these big projects, Maybe it's because the last time you did this project six months ago or a year ago, it was you remember it as painful and difficult. Doesn't mean that it is now. That environments change, circumstances change, processes change, inputs change, and that what you remember might not actually be reality. 
Yes, it technically could be worse, but it also could be better. And so understand that if you're going to take on a big project, don't fool yourself into believing a preconceived notion about whether it's going to be good, bad, long, short. Actually just use real information, right? Do research, lay out a project plan, do what you need to give it a grounded in reality instead of what you perceive as maybe an overwhelming initiative. That's a good point. It may be as simple as putting some dates on the calendar and blocking out some time, and it may not be that bad. Good point. Mm -hmm. What about you, Desiree? Well, the thought I would leave is my favorite children's book, The Little Engine That Could, and that really is to give yourself a pep talk. You know, there is a great um, YouTube video on TED about the power pose. Oh, yeah. I would, enc- I, I would encourage our listeners to look it up, but it, this takes the idea of positive self-talk and telling yourself, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, <laughs> to, to a whole new level with body language and all kinds of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So I would highly recommend that and put, put a shout out to another uh, female speaker in uh, the Netherlands there. But um, I am a big believer in positive self-talk. Uh, I'll tell you mm. something funny that happened this weekend. Yeah. My husband and I were working on digging out these huge old ornamental grasses. These things were the diameter of a bicycle tire. And oh, during boy. the course of the second one, he threw out his back. Now, we had started small. Oh. We did the smallest one first. Yeah. So I got the second one done, and the third one was the biggest. And I'm looking oh. at this thing, and I'm thinking, boy, I don't know if I can do this. And then I went, wait right. a minute. I have ripped out shrubs. I grant you, it was 25 years ago, but I've done this twice with two houses. I seem to keep buying houses with overgrown evergreen shrubs. I can do this. And I thought, I'm going to just start. I'm going to just start. I'm going to do this. Yep. I know I can do it. And I grant you, it took me an hour and a half, but I got it done. That's okay. That's okay. Right. There, there's no, there was no clock on that. Right. I, it didn't I have think to be 30 had, minutes or less. <laughs> no, but if I had said, oh, I can't do this without my husband or I just can't do this, it would, it, it'd still be there. And I still have this ugly right. mess on the side of my driveway. Yeah. You have to say encouraging things to yourself. You, you have to say, no, you can do this. You've tackled tough things before. There is definitely a value in reminding yourself of your strengths and your capabilities, especially when you're finding yourself struggling with motivation. Yep. And, and it's, important know, to, it's important to simply start as you did. You know, and, and take that leap because just gaining momentum in moving forward in the project helps build confidence too. Yeah. Well, hey, look, I got the perimeter dug out. Or, hey, I got my spreadsheet started. Or I've scheduled a meeting with a subject matter expert. That is momentum. So um, I think we should, unless there's anything else, I think we can probably close out this week's podcast or this month's sure. podcast, rather. So I'm Desiree Grace, 
with my colleague and friend, Andrea Olson. You've been listening to Riveting Exchanges. This is a podcast sponsored by Women in Manufacturing, and we hope you find it of value. If there are topics you would like us to cover or questions or comments, we're always, always interested in listener feedback. We appreciate your time, and we hope you will be well until we talk again next month. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Women and Manufacturing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.